A big warm welcome to you. Uh, my name is Andrew, uh, and I'm pastor of this congregation. And uh, particularly want to welcome those who are new and those who are visiting. Uh, I know that uh, um, uh, we've got uh, friends and family here, uh, both friends of uh, Leela and Mary, uh, as well as other friends who have been invited to come along uh, and join us on this special occasion. We're actually doing a, we have been doing a series through the book of Genesis. Uh, just to let the regulars know, we're taking a break this week for this special occasion of the uh, baptism and the special guest service, uh, and then we'll go back to our Genesis series next week. And we hope that those of you who have come today uh, will actually be able to come and join us again uh, next week as well. Uh, we are looking at Hebrews chapter 9. Uh, the passage is on page 1209 of your church Bibles. Uh, it is also on one of these handouts here. Uh, not the one with all the songs on it, uh, but the one, uh, if you open up the middle, there is an outline, which is actually an outline of where we'll be going today. Uh, so those of you who like to take notes and think about it afterwards, uh, you can use that. There's pencils at the front desk. Uh, and also, uh, so the passage we're looking at is just there, so it might be easier if you just have that. Uh, but if you'd like to look at it uh, from the Bible, it's page 1209, uh, Hebrews chapter 9, verses 27 and 28. Now, all of us have problems, don't we? Uh, as you think about it, and you think about your life, straight away, la, we all have problems. Right? We have problems at work. We have problems in our interpersonal relationships. Uh, we have problems sometimes even within ourselves. And some of our problems are big problems. Uh, they have major repercussions on, on our lives, on the lives of those whom we love. Other problems are fairly trivial, you can ignore them and they'll go away eventually. But no matter what our problems are, we have one problem that is far bigger than all the other problems uh, in our lives. We have an enormous problem that makes all the other problems that we have seem small in comparison. And if this big problem is solved then all the other problems can come into perspective. And this morning, as we look at this Bible passage, we see what this problem really is. And we will see the solution to that problem and a promise about how that solution applies to us. A problem, a solution, and a promise. There they are in our Bible reading. From Hebrews 9, 27, 28. It says, And just as it is appointed for man to die once, and after that comes judgment, so Christ, having been offered once to bear the sin of many, will appear a second time, not to deal with sin, but to save those who are eagerly waiting for him. So what is the problem? The problem is, sin and judgment, isn't it? It is appointed for man to die once, and after that, face judgment. Now, death is a sad feature of our existence. Every one of us sitting here today will die. Some will die sooner, 
Some will die later. But unless the Lord returns, every one of us here, come back here in a hundred years' time, we won't be here. And probably much earlier than that as well. We know that in the middle of life we live in death. Our lives on earth are temporary. Today we are here, tomorrow we are gone. That is our destiny, death. And that is a problem, isn't it? But death doesn't make life meaningless. Uh, life is not just a, a futile existence. We are not just born and you live and you work and you reproduce and then you die. And then Life is fleeting, but it's not worthless. Because you see, death is not the end. The Bible tells us that after death, we will face judgment. That is, we are all answerable to our Creator for what we do in this life. Every thought, every word, every action, we will have to give an account for. One day we will face our Maker and give an explanation for our lives, and that is what gives life meaning. It's not just disappears. You have to stand before your God. We are destined to die once, and after that, face judgment. But why, why death and judgment? Why, why can't we just live forever? Well, the Bible tells us that death and judgment are necessary because of sin. Uh, the word sin just means rebellion against God, not treating God properly. And our whole human race, together, we have sinned. Together we have rebelled against God. We failed to treat Him as God. God is the one who made us. God is the one who has made the world. And we don't treat Him the way we're supposed to. We don't love Him. We don't honor Him. We don't glorify Him. We don't obey Him the way that He deserves to be treated. We've rebelled against Him. And we see the effects of this rebellion in this world around us. We live in a world that's spoiled. It's spoiled by our revolt against our Creator. It's a world of sorrow and pain. It's a world of death and decay. There's lots of good things in this world by God's kindness. There's lots of pain as well. I guess it's a world that most of us wouldn't want to live in forever anyway. All of us have sinned. All of us will die. All of us will face judgment. And the problem with facing judgment as sinners is that God's justice is fair. God is just. He is perfectly just. And that's a problem because we are guilty rebels. Many people think it's actually okay. If I die and face God, it's okay. Because, you know, I'm not as bad as some other people are. I can always find someone else worse than me. I can always find someone better than me, can't I? Right? But if we are all sinners, it doesn't mean you're not a nice person. I'm sure you're lovely. Right? Not to say that you're not moral. Maybe you're very ethical. 
You don't do all the things that the other people in the office do. Say you're not a religious person. Maybe you go to church every Sunday. Maybe you've got a different religion. And you're observant in that religion. But the problem is we are all in this bind that we don't treat God properly. We don't let him run our lives. We don't love him and obey him. We are all sinners. And sin is more deadly than any any other disease. It's more deadly than heart disease. Heart attack, you can take our life. Sin will take you for eternity under God's judgment. And that, my friends, is our greatest problem. We deserve God's punishment. After church, we're going to have some uh, makan. We're going to have a community meal together. All right. Uh, so I hope you all stay around for that. Supposing you are at the lunch, and I come to you and say, "Hey, have a have a drink." Uh, this is half water, half syringe. Would you would you take that? I think you'd be a bit insulted, isn't it? I say, "What this church, huh?" Pastor comes and give me syringe to drink. Oh, you'd be offended, and I wouldn't blame you. Now. What is that? Okay, okay. Three quarters water, one quarter sewage. Still no good. No good, okay. Ninety percent water, ten percent sewage. Now can? Still cannot. But I said, look, 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 look. I'm not giving you ten percent sewage, right? You see, Tim, over there, he's giving his friends forty percent sewage. And... Hey, you know, and John down here, he gives his friends, you know, 60% search. I'm just a really nice person. I'm giving you only 10%. And you say, no. No surge is acceptable to drink. I shouldn't insult you by trying to offer you a drink even with 1% surge. And friends, what makes us think we can come before God and serve him up a mixture of good and bad in our lives. And to make it worse, we try and justify ourselves by trying to find someone else who's got a bit more percentage and convince ourselves that we're not so bad after all. As far as God is concerned, sin is sin. We are all in rebellion against him. No matter how much sewage is in the cup, we are unclean. We are contaminated. It's... Some of us might express rebellion in more obvious ways than others, but all of us are on the wrong side. And whether we actively ignore God or actively sorry, passively ignore God or actively try and fight against Him or religiously distort Him, it's still wrong. And I know that every time I do something that I'm not meant to do, I'm just proving my own rebellion. Again and again and again. Sin is offensive to God. And when the judgment day comes, we will face his just and deliberate anger. And unless something happens to solve this problem, we will be under his condemnation forever. Unless a solution is found, we will face hell. God's eternal punishment. 
That is a big problem. That, my friends, whatever your problems are today, that is your biggest problem. Man is destined to die once, and after that comes judgment. But the good news, the good news is that God has offered a solution to our problem. Passage goes on. It talks about that Christ was offered once to bear the sins of many. Christ was offered once to bear the sins of many. Let me show you something. Imagine this is a book. Well, you don't have to imagine it's a book because it is. But imagine this book right, is the record of all my sins. Okay? From the day I was born to the day I die. Every time I haven't treated God properly. Every time I have not loved Him the way I was meant to. I haven't obeyed Him the way I was meant to. I tried to look for the biggest book I could find. Still probably not big enough. And imagine this, this hand is me. Imagine this hand is God. My sin separates me from God. Because of my sin, I'm under God's judgment, God's condemnation. Now, we saw this pictured for us in that Old Testament reading that we read, that first Bible reading we read just now. Now, it was written about uh, 1,500 years before Christ came. Uh, it was uh, in uh, it's in the Old Testament. The part of the Bible is written before before Christ, and God was telling His people what to do on a special day once a year called the Day of Atonement. Once a year, the high priest would enter into what is called the most holy place, the place where God's presence dwelt, and he would approach God as the representative of all God's people. Once a year, year after year. But he could only do so after offering sacrifices. He sacrificed these animals, pure, unblemished animals, for his own sins and theirs each year. Why? Because it's saying sinful man cannot approach the holy God. And the blood of bulls and goats and all those animals actually... They can't really take away sin, can they? They can't actually deal with God's anger against our rebellion. Can't actually make up for revolting against God and damaging other human beings. So why did God tell them to do that? It was a, a picture, a symbol, a model, a sign, a shadow. Something that pointed forward to a real sacrifice that was going to come. And the real sacrifice that would really take away sin was going to happen in the person of Jesus. Jesus was going to be God made a human being. He would live the perfect life. And he would be that sacrifice. Remember in the Old Testament system the animal to be offered would have to be pure, unblemished, no spots, 
And this points forward to the sinlessness of Jesus. He was the perfect human being who never rebelled against the Father. He was tempted to sin, but he never did. It's like, here's my sin on me. Here's God, and I'm condemned. And here's God become a human being in the person of Jesus. And Jesus, the prophet Isaiah says, We all like sheep have gone astray. Each of us has turned to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. When Jesus died on the cross, he died under the judgment and condemnation of God. Because God took your sin and my sin and laid it on him. And Jesus paid for our sins. Jesus died for us. Jesus was the sacrifice that enables God to forgive us. You see, the only way for God to forgive us without saying that sin is okay is for him to take the punishment himself in the person of his son. If I do something wrong to you and God says to me, ah, it doesn't matter, never mind. It's saying that you don't matter. But if God wants to forgive me, that sin must be punished. Because you matter. And when I do something wrong to God, that sin must be punished because God matters. But in Jesus, God has taken the punishment for himself, on himself, so he can forgive our sins, solve our problem, without saying that we, what we've done doesn't matter. Jesus bore our guilt and our sins and God's anger. He experienced my hell. He became my substitute. Suffered so that we can be forgiven for all the wrong things that we've done. He shed his blood so that our book can be paid for, wiped clean. We can be pardoned. You know, the Old Testament sacrifices, they had to get repeated year after year after year. But Jesus was sacrificed once and for all, for all our sins. Because his sacrifice really worked. His death is able to remove our sins completely. And that is good news. Because if our sins are removed, there is no longer condemnation. And those who have been forgiven through his death are truly forgiven. Their sins are dealt with. Their guilt is atoned for. They are free. So what is our greatest problem? Greatest problem is death and judgment for sin. And on the cross, our greatest problem was solved by the Lord Jesus. When you think about your problems in life, get them in perspective. Remember what your biggest problem is. Remember what God has done to solve it. Well, the third and final thing we see from these verses is a promise. A promise. Uh, look at the last part of uh, verse 28. last part of that last sentence. Christ, having been offered once to bear the sins of many, will appear a second time 
not to deal with sin, but save those who are eagerly waiting for him. See, Jesus came the first time to bear the sins of many, and to take our book. But the sacrificial death of Jesus was not the end of the story. God raised Jesus from the dead, and made him the Lord and King of all, in fulfillment of all his promises beforehand. And one day Jesus will return. He will appear a second time. And all who are dead will be raised to face Jesus. For those who are unforgiven, God's punishment would apply. But for those who have been forgiven, those who have been cleansed, those for whom that sacrificial death of Jesus applies to them, they will be saved. The coming of Jesus will bring salvation, not judgment. They'll be rescued from the condemnation of God because back on the cross, their judge himself was judged in their place. And so they will face the judge with no sin on their shoulders, no book on their hands. They will approach God clean and pure, cleansed through the sacrifice of Jesus. They'll be welcomed into God's heavenly kingdom where sin and all its consequences, death and sorrow and pain, are no longer. Where all the problems that plague this life will be solved forever. There is rescue at the end. That is the promise that God makes. That promise doesn't apply to everyone. Not everyone saved when Jesus returns. There's a specific group of people there who it talks about, isn't it? He saves those who? Who are eagerly waiting for him. Want to have a part in that promise? And be cleansed from your sin and washed from your guilt? And be saved in the end and be with Jesus in his kingdom? Just those who are eagerly waiting for him, who are safe in the end. And those who are waiting for him are those whose hope, whose confidence, whose trust is in him. They recognize that they're sinful. They trust that his death is enough to solve their problem. They don't trust in their own goodness their own morality, their own religiosity, to save them on the day of judgment, they just rely fully on the sacrifice of Jesus. They're living in this world, not living for themselves, but living for the one who died for them. Letting him be their master, and eagerly waiting for him to return. Friends, Today we celebrate the fact that Leela and Mary have had their biggest problem solved by Jesus. God has worked in their hearts by his Spirit so that they acknowledge their sin and they trust in Jesus to save them. They're not trying to earn their salvation by being good or religious but trusting in Jesus alone and his death on the cross. And the same Spirit of God which caused them to trust in Jesus is changing their hearts and lives. And in response to God's great kindness to them in Christ, they are seeking to serve him and live for his glory.
Is that you? Jesus Christ was sacrificed once and for all. He solved your biggest problem. Died so that you can be forgiven. And he promises salvation in the end for you if you will trust in him and submit to him as king. Will you put your trust in Jesus? Will you accept him as your king? And wait for his return to save you? Or will you die and face a judgment on your own? And just as it is appointed for man to die once, and after that comes judgment, so Christ, having been offered once to bear the sins of many, will appear a second time. Not to deal with sin, but to save those who are eagerly waiting for him. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you have solved our biggest problem. We thank you that though we are sinners and we don't deserve your love and forgiveness, that you have loved us and that you have given your Son, Jesus Christ, to die on the cross once and for all, to take the punishment that we deserve so we can be forgiven that we can be right with you and that we can face death and judgment in a confident way knowing that we will be safe in the end because of what Jesus has done for us. And so we pray, Heavenly Father, that those of us here who know Jesus will continue to trust in him We'll continue to be looking to him and not our own selves for our safety on the day of judgment. And as we face various problems in life, help us to remember our biggest problem has been solved in Jesus. And so to face those problems with the perspective of this one. We pray for those here who haven't yet come to know the Lord Jesus as their Saviour. We pray that you help them to see more clearly what their problem is and the wonderful solution that you have given us in Jesus. We pray that your Spirit will be drawing them to him. To trust in him as their Saviour and Lord so that at the last day they will stand forgiven and safe with you. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. We all share a great problem, God's judgment against the ways in which we do not treat him as our God in our sin. And yet God in his love has provided a great rescue for those who would trust in Jesus 
and depend on the merits of his death. For those people, they are cleansed by the blood of Jesus and made worthy before God through him. Let's stand and sing, It's your blood that cleanses me.